Sorry, I'm gonna, and I'm sorry, I'm sweating already, so I'm going to have to lose the coat. It's, uh, is it warm in here to anybody but me? Nope? <laughs> okay. Well, that's not good. Well, stand with me for the reading of God's Word. For the grace of God has appeared, bringing salvation to all men, instructing us to deny ungodliness and worldly desires and to live sensibly, righteously, and godly in the present age, looking for the blessed hope and appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior, Christ Jesus, who gave himself for us to redeem us from every lawless deed and to purify himself a people for his own possession, zealous for good deeds. Lord, bless your word uh, to our hearts. Help us, Lord, as we just consider what it means uh, to be a people that belong to you, a uh, people that have been purchased with a price uh, for good deeds, a uh, people who are, should be zealous for your work. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. You may be seated. Well, it's been an interesting couple days for me. Last week, Terry had bronchitis, and so uh, we slept in separate rooms. And as you can tell, it didn't make any difference. I still, still am sick. Uh, last night about 4 o'clock, I thought there's no way I'm going to be here, but uh, yet here I am. So be praying for me uh, that uh, I make it through the sermon and, uh, and, make it, and you make it through the sermon as well, I guess. Uh, next weekend's Memorial Day weekend. Who, who's excited for the summer season to begin? Yeah, exciting for the summer season to begin. Uh, summer season, of course, is vacation season. And over the course of my life, there's been various ways that we've uh, prepared for vacations. Uh, you remember, who used to get the big old maps? Yeah, the big maps? You guys got to help me a little bit this morning, okay? You remember the big maps that you'd unfold? Thank you. But then you could never get them folded back up. Anybody ever get a triptych from, triptych from AAA? Yeah, you know, give you detailed instructions. Then we graduated from the triptych to uh, MapQuest. You get your instructions or your directions online. And, and then we went to GPSs, and most people have Garmins, and we don't even think about where we're going. We just plug it in an address, and it, it tells us where to go. Uh, whatever you're using, whether you're using a map, whether you're using a AAA triptych, or whether you're using a GPS or MapQuest, there's two things that we need to, to have if we're going to have a successful trip. We need to know where we are <laughs> and where we're going, right? Uh, th- those two things are necessary. And over the next two weeks, uh, this series, I'm going to talk about where we are as a church body and where we are headed as a church body, or where we're hopefully headed. Uh, another way you could look at this is the state of the church address. The state, you know, the, the president gives a state of the union. Well, your pastor's kind of given a state of the church, where we're at. And, and I think it's important as, as the people of God, as a church, that, that we have an understanding of where we're at and where we're going. Amen? And so uh, that's kind of what we're doing. Maybe another way to look at it is this, who we are <laughs> and who we want to become. Uh, ne- next week... We'll have our annual church report booklets, and we didn't give them to you this week because I didn't want you reading them while I was preaching. <laughs> you know, that's a good thing just to read and, and t- take your attention. Uh, but, but you'll have them next week, and, and, and then the following Wednesday, I, I, the, the Wednesday after next Sunday, we're going to have a, kind of an, an annual meeting on a Wednesday night, and we'll allow all of our um, 
uh, different uh, team members, team leaders to, to present their reports. Harold will give us uh, some details on finances. You know, one of the things I appreciate about our church is our openness with our finances. And uh, that, that's not always the case, but your, your finances are an open book, how you give and where the money is spent. Uh, there is a hanging outside the church office every, every month. We put a monthly uh, itemization of how the money is spent. And I think that's an important thing. And Harold will give you kind of an update. Uh, on the Wednesday night after next Sunday. Uh, Before we go any further, I've been here now just a little bit over a year, and I want you to know that I'm sure of my call here, uh, that that as sure as I was when we came, I'm sure now that this is where I need to be, that that God has called me uh, to be your pastor. And I'm optimistic about what God intends to do in this church. And, And even though I will present this morning just, just for a short period, some, some hard facts, some difficult facts. Um, I still am excited about what I think God is trying to do in our midst and what I believe God is wanting to do. I believe great things are in store for Marysville Church of the Nazarene. So first, where, where are we? And go ahead and show this next slide. I, I, I don't know if you'll be able to see this. It's in your, your bulletin. And, and what you have here is you have... Uh, two slides put together. The, the first slide, uh, the, the top slide, says the life cycle of too many churches. And, and this is the life cycle that you see in, in many churches that, that go from growth, health to growth, and, and then there's this plateau, and then there's this decline. Uh, you, you see this in many churches, and, and many people be, believe that churches are like people. They have life spans, and, and, and they're meant to be born and to die. I, I don't believe that. And so you see that typically on the bill graph that there's a decline, a plateau and a decline. And then you look below that is our morning attendance numbers. And you can see that we begin to fit some of the criteria of churches in this type of life cycle. We may meet the characteristics of a plateaued to a declining church. Just to look at our Sunday morning attendance and and look where we've been and where uh, we are currently, we meet these characteristics. Now, now this is not a reason to to lose hope or to be depressed. Uh, Who likes challenges? Okay, three of us. uh, who does, you know, puzzles? I like challenges. Per- personally, as a pastor, as, as someone who has been called into the ministry, I like a challenge. And, and, and so, uh, personally, I like the idea that, that God is calling us and challenging us to, to do something new and, and something uh, dynamic and fresh. But, but to really move forward as a church body and to be the church that God wants us to be, we must honestly confront our current reality. That doesn't mean that we we lose heart or lose faith, but we need to be aware that there is work to do in our church. Admiral Stockdale was a a prisoner of war in in the Vietnam War, and and, and in the book Good to Great, uh, Jim Collins has a conversation with Admiral Stockdale about those who made it as prisoners in, in POW camps and those who did not and, and he said, well, it was pretty simple. The, the guys that were in the prisoner of war camps that said, we'll be home by Christmas, <laughs> they didn't make it. He said like this, there's a very important lesson. You must never confuse 
faith that you will prevail in the end, which you can never afford to lose, with the discipline to confront the most brutal facts of your current reality, whatever they might be. We've got to confront the brutal fact of our current reality, that things are not exactly as we would like them to be. And we would like to see people coming to Christ at our altars, in our ministries, as a routine part of what we do as a church body. Amen? To, to confront those facts and to, 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 and to point them out is not being pessimistic, but it's being realistic in saying that there are some issues that we need to confront, some issues we need to discuss. We're not where we want to be right now, and there's work to be done and hard choices to be made. So what's the key? To, To move from a declining church to a growing church, we must rediscover and live vision. It must animate all that we do. If we want to be a church that is on that upward tick again, we must be a church that is driven by vision. Proverbs 29, 18 says it like this, Where there is no vision, the people are unrestrained, but happy is he who keeps the law. And if you're reading the King James Version, it says the people perish. Other translations use the word revelation instead of the word vision. And the the context of the scripture is not people finding a joint purpose or a solitary reason for being, that the key is finding God's plan. And this is the good news I want you to see this morning. God has a plan for our church. God has a plan that is unique to us, that that is based on our particular gifts and our particular ministry context and our particular community. God has a plan particularly in mind for Marysville Church of the Nazarene. He's not calling us to be like any other church. He's not calling us to be a cookie cut uh, cut out church or a congregation that looks like any other congregation, but, but he's calling us to use the particular gifts that God has placed in our congregation to, to meet the particular needs of our community. And I don't know about you, but that's exciting when you stop and think about it. That, that our creative God is creative enough to look at this group of people and see how we can minister in a unique way in our unique ministry setting. So true vision is not our plan, but God's plan for our church. And over the past years, we've been going through this hard process of of trying to find God's plan. And and I want you to know, I I don't think we've got this all figured out. And and, and I think this is an ongoing conversation and an ongoing uh, process. And there's still a lot of of things to be done and and, and things to be determined. But, but, But we are in the process of trying to seize hold of what God has in mind for this church. Interestingly, I believe this is the process every church needs to be in continually. Uh, I, I think it's, it's easy in the midst when things are going great 
to kind of lose vision just as easy as when things aren't going great. When, when things are going ju- just full steam ahead, sometimes we just kind of rest in what's going on and, and, and we're not as intentional about living in vision. But every church should be consumed with the ideal of finding what God wants for them. So where are we? I believe we are a good church that God is calling to be great. You know, if you would compare this congregation and you'd compare this church with other churches, you would say this is an excellent, good church. You look at our facilities. These are tremendous facilities. You could go far and wide and not find facilities any nicer than these. As far as size, we're probably one of the largest churches in our community. As far as size, we're one of the largest churches on our district. You know, you can look at all those factors, and as we compare to other churches, we're a good church. Probably a top 10% church in attendance in the United States. But I'm not satisfied with good if God is calling us to be great. Jim Collins in his book, Good to Great, begins with this quote, good is the enemy of great. (laughs) Stop and think about that. Good is the enemy of great. You know, this this applies to, to every aspect of our life. When we're good, we can grow complacent. And if God is calling you to be a great parent, good is the enemy of great. Of great. If God is calling you to be a great basketball player, good is the enemy of great. If God is calling you to be a great Christian, good is the enemy of great. And I believe in the church, good is the enemy of great when God is calling us to be more than we are currently. So, so how do we move from good to great? There's, there's two things. First, I think great churches are intentional churches. It just doesn't happen. It, it, it just doesn't, we just don't roll out of bed and become a, a great church. There, there's an intentionality to what we're doing. It's, you know, there, there, there used to be this phrase, you used to say, well, I'm going to throw everything against the wall and see what sticks. Anybody ever use that phrase? Yeah? We'll try that later today. Throw everything against the wall and just see what sticks. And, and churches oftentimes have functioned with that mentality, we'll, we'll, we'll just try everything and see if anything works. Great churches are intentional. They are intentional in prayer, they're intentional in ministry, and they're intentional in the use of resources. Last year, we were intentional in our prayer, and Wednesday night was, was the focus is prayer, and, and, and then Friday morning we have a prayer group that meets, and, and then you have a men's group that meets on Thursday night and prays, and, and then every Sunday morning at 8 a.m. We, we spend some time in prayer before the service. So since finding God's vision is what this is about, and finding God's plan what is what this is all about, it begins and it ends with prayer. Secondly, great churches use their unique shape to minister to their community. Now, there's something freeing about this. We don't have to be any other church, but we need to use our unique gifts and our unique shape 
to minister to our community, to, to build the kingdom, to preach the gospel, to reach lost men and women, boys and girls. God intends for us to use our unique shape. In his book, Church Unique, Will Mancini says this, the starting point for vision, for thinking about our church's future is not deciding where we want to go or exploring what is working for other churches, but understanding how we are unique. So that's the beginning point for us. And over the past year, we've, we've been exploring what, what makes us unique. What is unique about our church? And, and, and how does that uniqueness minister to our community? Or how could it minister to our community? How, how is our uniqueness, how does that make us a great church? So what is our unique shape? And this is a process we're going through, but I have identified four things that I believe makes us unique as a church body. The first one is this, we're extremely gifted. As I look around this congregation, I have been amazed at the giftedness of you folks. We have musicians, we have artists, we have writers, we have business leaders, we have business owners, we, we have people who can build, we have people that, 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 can, that can remodel, we have people that, that are athletes, we, we even have softball players, right? Right? Okay. When's the when's first game and where? June 2nd. June 2nd. Okay. Where at? You don't even know where it is. Okay. Okay. We're gifted. I, I've been amazed at the musicians that, that I've seen. And, 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 and I got, I've been a bit overwhelmed. And it, it just re- makes me realize the unbelievable potential this body has. But there's a kingdom purpose for our gifts. God has gifted us to minister. In Ephesians 4, Paul talks about the purpose of gifts. And he says, for the saints, that's you. <laughs> look at your neighbor and say, hey, you're a saint, okay? You guys are saints, all right? It's for the saints to use in works of service for the building up of the body of Christ. In other words, God has gifted you to build his kingdom. God has gifted you so that the church can be Christ. So let me ask you, are are you using your unique gift to build God's kingdom? Are you? I I mean, how God has gifted you, are you using that in a way that builds the kingdom of God? Secondly, we practice hospitality well. I've been amazed, or I was amazed, this, this past winter at our, our hospitality and how welcoming we were during Upward. You, you folks did an outstanding job welcoming people to your church. I mean, literally dozens of people each Saturday morning were here warmly welcoming people and making them feel at home. But, but other fellowships as well. When we, when we do our, our Easter um, Brunch, when, when we had our, our picnic at the park, when we just had any of our fellowships, when you welcome Terry and I, you, you folks are warm and welcoming. You're inviting. You're, you're kind of like 
a family. And it may be because it's really just like one family that kind of runs like this throughout the congregation. There's something about you that's inviting. You know, the word minister has its roots in the concept of practicing hospitality through the table service. So, so, so these concepts of hospitality and ministry kind of run together. As a matter of fact, some churches use this concept of hospitality to guide all their ministries. And so this this isn't a secondary gift, or this isn't a secondary characteristic. It forms the basis of what ministry is all about. This ability to make people feel welcome and important. You realize, of course, we live in a, a fragmented society. In our community, there is a great need for people to have a place where they truly belong. We are more connected by social media and telephones and TVs than we've ever been, but we're more disconnected than we've ever been as well. We live in a fragmented society, and where the gift, the unique shape of hospitality is important. So how can we practice missional hospitality? How can we practice a form of hospitality that does not demand that people meet us on our own terms, in our own place, but it drives us out into our community where we can begin to practice this gift in a world hungry for a place to feel welcome? Thirdly, we're great mentors. Um... Once again, I've just been amazed by the kids that have been raised in this church. And, and, and to be honest, as I thought about that, and I thought about this, uh, this point uh, for, for, for this, this Sunday morning, I, I began to think it's, it's easy to see our college kids, and they're all back, and we're glad to see them and, and see how mature in the faith they are. But, 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 but we can go beyond that. We can, we can look at Vicki Case, who was a child of this church. <laughs> that has been mentored and grown in this church. And, and so many more, Christy Payne, who was a child of this church, so many more that have been raised and grown and matured in this church. You do an awesome job maturing your young people into people of faith. You know, this is a great need in our community. Uh, families in our community are at risk. And I got to tell you, as you you read the newspaper and and, and see the things going on in schools, it can be a bit disheartening, can't it? Amen? I believe our community needs a place and a people who can demonstrate the unique ability of raising kids up into faith and not away from faith. So how can we serve our community through this ability? And finally, and maybe most importantly, probably most importantly, we are holiness people. It's a significant part of who we are. It's it's our unique flavor as a denomination, as a congregation, this concept of holiness. We, We believe that God doesn't just save us 
and leave us, but God saves us and changes us. We we believe in the transforming power of the Holy Spirit. We, We believe that God wants to fill us with his spirit so that we can be transformed and changed and we can have the mind of Christ. Do we still believe that? You know, I think people are sick of religion that doesn't make any difference in their life. We believe, we teach that God can change you from the inside out and in changing you, he can transform your homes and your neighborhoods. John 20, 19 through 22, and I, I kind of I look at this as the first Pentecost. <laughs> you know, in Acts 1, Acts 2, and 3, you have... Pentecost, but in John 20, 19 through 22, Jesus appears to his disciples, and the, the, the narrative goes like this. So when it was evening on that day, the first day of the week, and when the doors were shut where the disciples were for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood in their midst and said to them, Peace be with you. When he had said this, he showed them both his hands and his side. The disciples then rejoiced when they saw the Lord. So Jesus said to them again, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, I also send you. And when he had said this, he breathed on them and said to them, Receive the Holy Spirit. See, there's there's something about the Holy Spirit. Receiving the Holy Spirit is not a passive thing, but to receive the Holy Spirit is to be sent by God. Well, when you see what happens on Pentecost, Pentecost wasn't just about people receiving the Spirit, but it was about being sent. See, that's who we are. We're we're the church. We're the ecclesia. We are the sent out ones. So let me ask you. Holiness does not separate us from the world, but moves us with love and obedience into a lost and desperate world. It takes us from the comfort of this place. Like Jesus left the comfort of heaven. It takes us from the comfort of this place and it drives us into a world that is dying and hungry and thirsty. Let me ask you, does our holiness create a barrier or a conduit for God to speak? I want you to know, I believe that if holiness is a barrier to God speaking to a lost world, I don't believe it's holiness at all. If holiness does not send us, it's just mere religion. Holiness equips and sends. Holiness changes how we think. Holiness changes our perspective of lost men and women. Holiness takes us past what's comfortable and easy and moves us into a world where we engage people with the love of God. We're closed with this great hospitality feast. I don't know who's closing this, Joe or Josh? Oh, you guys vote on that right now. I thought we'd have this settled. We're going to receive communion, and, I, and I'm not handling any elements today. 
I don't know. I, you, I think you could probably tell I'm not feeling very good today. And say, amen, pastor, we can tell. And so I'm going to dart out the back door while you receive communion. I, I, to be honest, I wish I could receive it, but there's no way I would do it with, with the way I feel. I'm going to pray for us, and then Joe's going to come and administer the elements. And, uh, and then you'll be, will you guys pray for me for next service? I've got, you guys just had to do one. I've got to do two today, okay? Lord, help us today just to keep our eyes fixed on you. Uh, Lord, I, I believe these, these are great people. And uh, this is a good church, but Lord, I believe you're calling us to more. Help us, Lord, not to be satisfied with just going through the motions, not just being good when we can be great. Lord, may, may we not be content with just reaching a few, but Lord, may we be consumed with um, transforming our neighborhoods, our families, and our communities. Help us now, Lord, as we begin to receive uh, the, this, this communion feast to, to understand that to to sit at your table is to practice hospitality. You open the table for us, and, and Lord, you invite us, you encourage us to open the table for others as well. I love you, Lord, and I thank you for your goodness and your mercy. Help us now, Lord, just to, to continue to love you together. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.